we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Democrat Laura Curran, the first woman elected county executive on Long Island, breaking a glass ceiling and vowing to break with the past. Laura Curran joining us live. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. Entertaining and informative. Thought-provoking conversations that get right to the point. Observers say her future is bright. You're here to tell us more about it, Laura Curran. Now here's Laura Curran. Hello, everyone. So I'm really excited about the show today. We've got three great guests. Uh, my first, I'm going to tell you who's coming. Then I'm going to talk to you about what I want you to call me about at the end of the show. I have a hot topic I really want to get your opinion on. And then we'll go to my first guest. So his name is David Friedlander. And everyone is talking about this piece that he's written. It's a good old-fashioned meaty magazine piece that he wrote for for Politico magazine called How a Staunchly Blue State Let MAGA Seep In, and it's very interesting. Then we're going to speak to Westchester County Executive George Latimer. He's been getting some criticism about his remarks on the migrant crisis, and I want to get unpack that a little bit, get his side of things. And then whales dying in the ocean. Is it because of offshore wind? We're going to speak with an expert about that. Um, so I know we have a lot of Trump supporters in the audience so I want to hear from you about how you feel about what he said about Kaylee McEnany. Uh, whether you like her or not, I think she handled her job as press secretary for Donald Trump with deftness, with poise, uh, with true professionalism. She's now uh, a Fox personality. She's on. She's the co-host of Outnumbered on Fox News. And she's been very loyal to President Trump, former President Trump. However, he had a bone to pick with something that she said. He apparently, uh, well, she said that he was up 25 points. He said, I am up 40, the 34 points on desanctimonious. The rhinos and globalists can have her, meaning McEnany. Fox News should only use real stars, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And a lot of people that I'm talking to and that I'm reading about people who like Trump and who have liked Trump and don't suffer from Trump derangement syndrome, are saying to themselves, hmm, what's going on with this guy? She's been so loyal and so professional. Why is he picking on her? So if you are a Trump supporter, I want to know if you care about this. Is this a tempest in a teapot? Is this just silliness? Is this the media blowing something up? Or is this uh, something to give you pause? So please call at the end of the show, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222-WABC. Is that 9222? And um, remember, you can always put us in your pocket. Download the WABC app or go to WABCradio.com. Listen online whenever you want. All right. So my first guest is a reporter with Politico and New York Magazine. His name is David Friedlander. And Twitter has been a buzz for the last few days about his article called a How a Staunchly Blue State, a.k.a. New York, let MAGA seep in. And I'm having him on not just because he quoted me in the article, because I think it's a great read, uh, no matter where you are on the political spectrum. So, David, welcome to Cut to the Chase. Thanks for having me. So this is a long piece, and I appreciate a good, long, meaty piece. I love a magazine. How long did it take for you to report this out? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, what is it now, June? I mean, I would say like sort of at least um, six months, you know, not working on it all the time. But I probably just sort of thinking about it had gone back 
you know, even certainly from November of 2022, but really even sort of, I think, November of 2021 right. uh, was when the first sort of conversation started happening about it. Right. And I love the way you started it. You really set the stage with this uh, basement bar in Little Italy. It was a party for the New York Young Republican Club. And, you know, that had techno DJs with names like Chinese Spy Balloon and non-non-binary Jeff. People smoking cigarettes. Roger Stone's making martinas, martinis. Pharma bro Martin Scarelli is just out of jail. He's there. Podcaster in succession. Uh, well, star, we could call her. Dasha Nekrasova was there as well. And it's this whole scene. Um, very hmm. sort of transgressive vibe. Why did you decide to start with that? Well, I mean, I thought it was, you know, because it seems like the vibe, I mean, I think that, I guess let me back up a bit. I mean, I think that one thing that sort of happened um, in New York over the last couple of years is that the, the Republican Party has kind of turned like distinctly Trumpian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they're 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 sort of nationalist and nativist and, and they're not polite. Um, and, and they also have this sort of sense of, you know, I mean, one thing that, that Trump, I think even his critics acknowledge is kind of a genius at is kind of creative spectacle, getting attention, that kind of thing. And so the party has kind of gone in that direction after years, if not decades, of, you know, trying to kind of find the most milquetoast candidates it could uh, to run for office, people like George Kataki and thinking that that was how you won. Um, But as the Republicans turned in this direction, I think the thing that's been surprising for a lot of folks is that that kind of seemed to work. Um, Like, it seemed like it was politically successful. Um, and I don't know. It seems like Democrats and others maybe haven't quite grappled with that. Um, th- this notion that um, you know that like maybe what what if sort of Trumpism is kind of what the people want? Maybe not like a majority of the people, but it, right. it's like more popular than than than, than many thought. And, and I thought that this group, the, the New York and Republicans, who are a, a, I think you know <laughs> by their own acknowledgement, even a kind of problematic bunch. Right, and revel in um, you know, that. Yeah, revel in offending people, you know, uh, revel in inviting kind of, you know, far-right stars from the Internet to their gatherings. Um, they're, 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 they, seem to be, they seem to sort of symbolize a lot of the energy in a way. Uh, also because I'm wondering, also because New York is so incredibly blue, that to stand out, maybe you need to be a little more outrageous. To get attention, maybe you need to be a little more outrageous not like that sort of personally boring and fiscally prudent old-fashioned country club Republican that we've had in New York for so long. Sure. And I mean, I also think, like, there, there's a little bit of a, of a kind of, like, dichotomy, you know, set up there where, you know, I, 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 I for the purpose of the story, I mean, I went to a bunch of these, of these parties and gatherings, and, like, you know, they're really fun. Um, yeah. You know, there's, like, all these people there, and there's music, and it's, like, drinking and carousing and whatever else. And they always get a, a sort of clutch of protesters come and mm. kind of stand across the street and yell at them and wave signs and everything. And and I, I think that it's sort of like, you know, I don't think most people would sort of see what there is to protest there in a way. Yeah, what is it you know? that you're and, protesting, and, actually? Yeah, well, I mean, they're protesting that these, that these like, well, how dare you invite, um, you know, whomever, you know, Marjorie Taylor Green to your party is kind of, and it's like, you know, I think like most people would rather be sort of on the side of the party than on the side of the protest. Um, and I think that that's a kind of like fissure that they sort of found. That's like, let's just, let's just like have a good time. And then if people want to like tisk tisk and waggle their finger at us, well, like, you know, it's, it's a pretty clear contrast. Yeah, sort of the dour protesters against these. Well, we're just having fun over here. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit, you know, performative transgression. I think I completely understand the fun of it and the hijinks of it. So it's one thing to be that, but yet it's another to get regular people to follow your lead, uh, mm. or tap into what it is that they're feeling. So it's a step from this performance and fun and just being kind of outrageous to getting people to vote Republican. And I wanted to point out something that pollster Jim McLaughlin told you, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. I had actually done a podcast about the difference between 
Long Island and Westchester and why Long Island did so much worse for Democrats than Westchester did in 2021 and 2022. Um, and it's, it's, it's Mr. and Mrs. Tony and Tina, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is sort of like the bridge and tunnel crowd in Long Island, as opposed to Mr. and Mrs. Karen in Westchester. And I thought that was so clever, a really clever way to put it, but it's true. Um, Mm. so I guess, I mean, that leads, it sort of partly answers the question of how Republicans did it. It wasn't just fun and hijinks and martinis from Roger Stone and Marjorie Taylor Greene coming and getting everyone all riled up. There was actually getting people to vote Republican in times when they hadn't before. I mean, I think that what um, what, what they're getting at there is, you know, the Democratic Party is increasingly becoming, and I think you could even say, like, especially in New York, it's really coming um, in many ways a, a party of college-educated elites, uh, yes. liberal elites. Oh, yes. And, you know, like – and it and, and also has, like, to be sure, like, lots of voters of color, lots of white working class voters. But the kind of, like, concerns of the party are kind of dominated by this cohort of white college-educated elites. And, like, that's a kind of tough group to, to base a, a broad-based political party on. Mm. Because, like, their, their concerns, I think, are kind of not shared by a lot of other voters, even a lot of other voters in their party. Um and there's a, and, and I think that, you know, and I think that some of this, this, that, like that sort of Karen and Tony thing kind of gets at that. I mean, and the sort of, you know, the censoriousness in a way. Yes. Of, the, um, the we know of, better of, than you and you, you gotta be a moron if you don't agree with us or you're just, you know, or, or just sort of crass and unwashed and no class. Right. And, and don't you realize how sort of offensive that thing you just Oh, it's said so is? offensive. Because you didn't yeah. know the, as you, I mean, this is, as you point out to me in the story, like, because you, you didn't know the language, you didn't know the words, you didn't know the vocabulary or something. And, and you're, you're, it's, it's like the, the demands of that group, you know, to, uh, they kind of keep increasing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's easy to kind of be cast out if, if you don't, I think if you don't always like follow the full suite of, 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 of directives, uh, possibly. And so, um, you know, I kind of think that, that, that that's the, the dynamic that's sort of a, like, if you imagine the dynamic of these one guy's group of guys at a party, another group of people kind of, you know, telling them they're wrong to be having this party. That kind of feels like that dynamic is playing out across the state in our politics. Yeah, it's a perfect example of of the attitudes of both and what the the tension is there. And that's why I thought I love the way you bookended the article because you start with the parties and then you end with this guy, Justin Brannon. He's a New York City councilman in Bay Ridge. He's a Democrat. Uh, but I really feel his frustration. You know, he wants to deal with the issues like brown water coming from the taps. You know, bike lanes are all very well. Everybody loves bike lanes. But he's Bay Ridge. People have cars there. They don't want to feel like jerks just because they have cars and they don't want bike lanes. And then the crime, the crime issue, uh, when someone says they're afraid of rising crime, why, this is what he says. This is Justin Brandon's words. When someone says they are afraid of rising crime, why do Democrats insist on telling them that crime isn't as bad as it used to be? Listen, idiot. Nobody wants to see a graph or a pie chart after they've been mugged, which is so brilliant. And I love that this is another Democrat saying this because I feel and have experienced that same exact frustration. Yeah, and that was interesting for me because I I, I was so curious about why this crime thing, like why crime had become such a big issue. It has. I mean, everybody don't want to be victim of crime. I think most people don't want to be victim of crime, but it becomes such a big issue even though – you know, crime was not as big a deal here. Didn't rise as much here as in all these other cities that 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 elected, um, you know, that yes. elected sort of like left wing people. Yes. Um, and and I thought that yeah, I thought that was an interesting sort of way to explain. And I think it probably like comes back to that that same kind of thing. I mean, like the, the lecturing, people, the lecturing. What you, you're, I'm invalidating your feelings by talking to you about facts. You know, which is a very sure. condescending also, attitude to have. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I also think it's like a little something different, which is that you know what the people that aren't concerned about crime are people that like live in crime-free areas. Yeah, right. And the people that live in crime-free areas are usually crime-free because they're like pretty rich, right? And those, right. And if those rich people living in areas are also like the most liberal in our in our sort of society like it just ends up kind of being like an untenable political dynamic in a way yeah. right because they're not like it just it's just it's just it, there's an oddity to that dynamic i think that 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 plays out in all these 
weird ways. You know, and there's another X factor that you point to that New York has that other states don't. Uh, oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Anyway, you know, we all, I'm going to get to that in one second, but I just want to sort of paint the picture a little bit for the listeners. You know, we all know the story of what happened in New York, how the red wave that was supposed to sweep the country really didn't go past New York. The governor's race was way too close. The House flipped in large part because House seats on in New York flipped. Uh, statewide elected officials, Democratic elected officials did not win places like Long Island where they had won in the past. Um, so, and the X factor that you point to is something that I like to read every day, the New York Post. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, because everybody had all these sort of theories about um, what had happened in 2022 in New York in 2021 and why, why New York like sort of veered so sharply to the right. And, you know, one, one theory was crime, but like, crime didn't really seem to be, I mean, it seemed like weird to make crime when crime was not as bad here as it was in Chicago, L.A. Yeah, Seattle. Oakland, and those places, didn't, you know, Seattle, those places didn't, didn't veer, veer to the right. So, you know, then you have some people blame, well, the state Democratic Party is a mess. Well, okay, but the state Democratic Party was kind of always a mess. I mean, it wasn't so great in 2018 when, you know, Democrats won up and down the state. So what what is the difference? And one thing that, like, just a lot of political professionals said to me was that we have here in New York the New York Post. Yeah. Um, and that no other, um, no other, you know, city has anything like that. Um, and it's just this very difficult thing for um, people who run for office and Democrats to kind of have to deal with. Uh, and the New York Post, if you don't live in New York or you don't read the Post, they slant <laughs> to the right for sure. During the election, uh, Governor Hochul's election last November, there were there were. I can't remember the number, but you have it in the article. So many front pages that focused on crime and really drove right. really drove the narrative on crime. Right. Now, yeah, I, I forget. I forget. It's something like, you know, 16 covers in a row or something. Yes. I, you know, 16 out of how out of 20 or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. However, yeah. you know, the, the New York Post can scream and yell all at once. It's not going to land. It's not going to resonate unless it echoes inside people in a way that rings true to them. So I don't know if that's the cause of it. It could be helpful, but I don't, but, but there was something else going on inside people when they're talking to their friends, when they're talking to their families that this touches and that's Mm -hmm. a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think, I think, I think that's probably right. I mean, and the post, you know, also they use in like the old ways of newspapers, you know, from a century ago, like they have these crusades and they get, and they just will hammer the same thing. That's right. Over and, and that's over again. New York tabloids too. I mean, they love they love getting results and yeah, being sure. the cause or something. So before I let you go, David Friedlander of Politico, uh, what are you working on now? What can we look forward to from you? Oh gosh, I've got um, I've got a couple things in the hopper. Um, uh, you know, hopefully it won't take as long as this, um, but stuff sort of local, national in scope and. All sorts of fun stuff. Well, I can't wait to read it. David Friedlander, check out his article, How a Staunchly Blue State Let MAGA Seep In. Whether you're Republican, Democrat, or in between, I think you'll find it very interesting, and you can find it at politico.com. David, thank you so much for joining me on Cut to the Chase. This is great. Thank you. You got it. All right. Next, we're going to talk to Westchester County Executive George Latimer. If you're a loyal WABC listener, and I know you are, you may have heard him discussed by some of my friends. Now we're going to get his side right after the break. Thanks. Laura Curran joining us live. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran on 77 WABC. Welcome back to Cut to the Chase. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Sunday. So I expect many people listening today are loyal WABC listeners. You know that our owner slash operator, John Katsimatidis, likes to hear both sides. He likes common sense. So that's in that spirit, I want to introduce Westchester County Exec George Latimer. George, welcome to Cut to the Chase. 
So as we get him on the line, you may have heard that he's taken some arrows from my friends, some of my friends here at the station. And I just want to say, full disclosure, these are people that I like and I respect. They're teaching me a lot about radio, uh, which is a relatively new field for me. They make it look easy. It's not as easy as they make it look. But they have been taking some shots at George Latimer. I've gotten to know him when I was county executive. We became county executive at the same time in 2018. And like him, respect him, very pragmatic, not really hyper-ideological, more about, like, interested in running things, which is my interest in was the operational aspect of the job. So, George Latimer, welcome back to the show. Laura, nice to be with you. Hopefully you can hear me. I can hear you beautifully. You're coming through clear as a bell. So I wanted to have you on because I wanted you to answer with with a little time for some nuance, uh, some criticism that you've gotten about what you've said about the migrant issue. Uh, I know you. You're not a flamethrower. You're not chasing incendiary headlines. You're not, you know, there for the cheap tweet or the cheap shot. Your focus is on actually running Westchester County, population more than a million. Not an easy job. Lots going on all the time. So I wanted to ask you, you know, as you wrote, quote, there's been quite a bit of negative comment, and you welcome that as a free speech enthusiast. But you wanted to set the record straight. Uh, I watched your press conference where you talked about this. What do you think is the biggest misunderstanding about your stance on the migrant crisis? Well, I think the, the fundamental problem, Laura, is that it's not up to county executives and mayors and town supervisors to decide what is the proper uh, policy in dealing with uh, migration at the border. We have a problem. We all acknowledge it. It's a major problem. It requires federal action, and the federal government has been missing in action Correct. in resolving it. But what happens is when they come over the border and they're parked in, in Texas and Governor Abbott puts them on buses and sends them up to New York City, And over the course of a year, there's more than New York City can handle. And then they turn to deal with the practical reality of these migrants here. You know, no county executive. Now, I know there's executive orders and lots of speeches that have been given. But none of us can break an arrangement that's made by the city with a local hotel. So my mindset has been rather than put energy and time into reinforcing, you know, the opposition to this, which is there. And, you know, the commenters on WABC don't like it and they've commented that. I don't have that luxury. I have to figure out how do I manage the reality of there being migrants in my county and how do I do it in a way that protects the safety of people and that protects the uh, individuals who are here and then also to try to advocate for strategies that get them resolved so that they're not sitting here for a year in a hotel room. Now, because I've had that sort of rational response rather than the ideological response, what are they here for? They shouldn't be here. Uh, This is terrible and blah, 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 blah. I've gotten criticism and I don't mind it. And I also understand that uh, much of what happens on WABC uh, is, uh, you know, people who are very skilled at uh, raising issues and getting attention for it. And, and I don't mind. That, that's the entertainment factor of the media. But I don't have that luxury. So our, our task in Westchester, as I view it, different from the way other counties around me have judged it, is we're not here to put on showtime. We're here to figure out how to handle what migrants get sent our way and make this work in as best a way as possible. And let me just highlight, we already had five years ago, a thousand migrant children housed in Westchester County. And when was that? That was 2018. So previous uh, administration, for the record. Placed by the Trump administration. If you recall, uh, there were families coming to the border, and they were taking children and placing them separately from where the parents were. And when they were placing them, those children came to four separate locations elsewhere around the country, but four separate locations in Westchester, totaling a thousand uh, kids, my, uh, minors. And they were here for six months, eight months, whatever it was. We managed the process. There weren't, there weren't incidents. There wasn't uh, people running wild in the street and uh, mugging people and all the things that you might fear. So <clears throat> we've been through the process of trying to manage a migrant presence in our county. So uh, that's what we're trying to do, and that's sort of the response I had. I understand it's very different from the response of other counties. And so to that extent, I recognize that uh, i become a, uh, you know, a, a favorite uh, target, but it doesn't bother me. I've been around a long time and you know, I've learned in this business, you know, you take everything with a certain grain of uh, equanimity. 
I'm talking to Westchester County Executive Laura Curran. I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a Freudian slip from my olden days. Westchester <laughs> County Executive George Latimer. I am former Nassau County Executive Laura Curran. And you're listening to Cut to the Chase. Um, so you, you raise a really good point that I don't think can be underscored enough. For people who have to run a government, it actually involves solving problems, dealing with realities you might not like, but these are the realities that you have to deal with. Whereas, and I don't want to disparage our legislator friends, when you're a legislator or you're just in the job just to throw around uh, vitriol or score political points or whatever it may be, or get attention, get on TV, whatever it is, uh, it's a very different thing. And I... I, I fear that we're losing a lot of that operational aspect, a lot of that operational emphasis in government, which is which is not good for the country because things actually have to operate. And in your remarks that you made in the press conference, you talk about specific things that would be very helpful to people like you, to local elected officials, county executives, mayors, etc. Having a satellite immigration court and having D.C. impanel more judges, housing that you emphasize has to be temporary, not permanent, and jobs, having the New York State Department of Labor and the federal government help some of these folks find jobs. And it was interesting. I was in a green room with City Councilwoman Vicki Palladino a couple of weeks ago, and she had a really good point. She said a bunch of migrants who'd come to, I I guess it was her district, they were going to be moved from one motel to another. The first day in that first motel, they had to wait until a bunch of them got home, got back from their jobs. They were in here for one day, and a handful had already gotten jobs and were working and had to come back. So that just shows how so many of these people need to work. Uh, talk to well, me about the, that yeah. kind of specific yeah. help you can get you, George Latimer, need from the state and from the federal government. Well, I think the federal government, first of all, and, and you mentioned what I proposed a couple of weeks ago. I don't know that anybody proposed it before. I remember saying it. Somebody may have preceded me on it. But I said the first thing is you can't have people waiting for a case that's going to be a year or two years, things that I've heard referenced, uh, that it's going to be a long wait. The system uh, can't respond sooner. If you're going to have people staying remotely any place, then you need to have an adjudicative process that meets them where they are remotely, and you need them right away. So uh, I've argued that uh, we, we in White Plains have a federal courthouse in, in White Plains, Southern District Courthouse, and we, we need to have a uh, court system set up there to adjudicate those cases of those people that have been housed there. If we're going to house some people, uh, we're going to try to get through this quote-unquote crisis situation, then it needs to be something that's done uh, quickly and, and not stretched out over a long period of time. And the second thing, the work uh, process, there are people who are going into the workforce uh, without official approval. There's, there's plenty of people who are here without documents, and they're working as well. But the ones who are, quote-unquote, following the rules are told by the feds that they've got to wait 150 days, the clock is ticking before they can get work permits. That's craziness. We have open jobs in a host of different hourly wages that go unfilled. We're not taking away an American job. Americans aren't being busboys and waiters in diners uh, at this stage of the game. Otherwise, there wouldn't be these help-wanted signs in the window. And and the, the gardening uh, entities that need people to go out and help them do these things, these are entry-level jobs, and uh, they're places where a person who just arrives here would be happy to work. We need to give them those opportunities right away so they can get into earning money and, and doing the things that Americans prioritize, which is work and sacrifice and getting ahead and helping your family do better. Those are two things. You've mentioned them. I've just re- reinforced them that I've said that are instantly needed uh, for the federal government to help us do. And then the, the second thing is it's not so much give us raw money uh, because we want money, but I'll give you one example. And you know this from your experience in Nassau County. Westchester County has responsibility for public health. And amongst other things, that means vaccinations. Mm. So we're going to spend money that we never set aside. Yes, that's a concern. And not just COVID, but polio and other kinds exactly. of vaccines All of the well. childhood diseases that you never got a vaccination for in rural Guatemala or rural Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Those people have to be vaccinated. We don't want them to get a disease and then spread it to the population at large. Westchester County has a certain amount of resources allocated for that every year, but it's not open-ended. The federal government, to the extent the state can help, they can help us financially so that we could, we'll do the actual vaccinations with, with staff, but we need the financial help to be able to provide it. Now, right now, we only have um, two, two tranches of, uh, of uh, 
uh, of folks, probably about 75 rooms, 80 rooms in two locations. But if we're going to wind up getting more than that, we're going to need sufficient money to do that function. And we're going to provide, in addition, backup police to the local police to, to make sure that there's security around these sites and you don't get these incidents of crime that people fear and talk about. So all of that is a managerial approach to the problem. You yourself yeah. know when you're a county executive, we get mandates from the state uh, on Medicaid on raise the age and these things. These weren't George, Laura, Steve Ballone. What do you think about this? These were right. the county of Westchester, the county of Suffolk, the county of Nassau. You must do these things, yeah. period. If you don't do it, we're going to fine you. So my attitude has been rather than engage in more rhetoric, which there's plenty of it out there, help me figure out how to manage this. And then in the meantime, while we're managing it day to day for four months or six months, solve the problem. Get the, get the federal program together that solves the problem. Westchester County Executive George Latimer, have you gotten any migrants uh, under the Biden administration yet? Has that happened? Yes. You have. We have two, we've had uh, two uh, placements. One came about two to three weeks ago in Yonkers, city of Yonkers. Uh, there they've occupied about 58, 60 rooms for about 130 people, parents and children. And we just now... Uh, today have uh, 30 arriving to a facility in uh, White Plains. And in each of these cases, the city of New York has contracted with the hotels involved. Uh, they they made the deal just like if I was having a family reunion, I booked 15 rooms at a hotel. Mm. That's what the city of New York has done. Um, with no disrespect to anybody else, uh, we know that we do not have the executive power to override those business decisions being made. So if, they, if these placements are going to happen, and they've happened in, in – Poughkeepsie and Newburgh and now Albany, then there's got to be more than just, uh, okay, there's a placement and good luck. So one thing that you mentioned, and we have one minute left, but I want to get this in. In your remarks, you had very positive and reassuring things to say about the police. I know you have local police department as well as county police. And I think your tone was very reassuring to residents saying our police are professional. They know what they're doing. We're working with them very closely. We're coordinating with other jurisdictions. And I think that's a message that might get lost by some Democrats. But I, I appreciate your reassuring tone, and I bet your constituents did as well. Well, you know, one of the things you're talking about with David Friedlander and this whole issue of how do Democrats respond to crime, the way we've responded in Westchester, and you know the political result in Westchester was very good for Democrats. Yeah, you guys killed it. We, <laughs> us, not so much on Long Island. Well, here's how we responded to the crime. We didn't talk about statistics. We said, look, these are the things we're doing to fight crime. We're fully funding the county police. We have the county police adding greater technology to help us break up car theft rings and break up fentanyl rings. And when we've had success at these things, we show it. We spotlight the successful work of the police. We have our county police working in harmony with our local police. And Westchester is different from Nassau in that we have a smaller county police function and we have more municipal police forces. But we show when those cooperations are happening. When we see somebody in the police department that does something brave, we highlight that so you understand the kind of professionals we have. So Democrats, though we are, we don't work against the police, and we show 100%. that that is, that is the way you reduce crime. You reduce crime by good police work and coordinating it. Uh, there's also other elements to it, obviously. What we do in our corrections facility, how we reduce recidivism so those people don't wind up committing crimes and coming back in, those are the concrete things. Yelling about it that you know, we need you know stiffer penalties, that's the state. The state determines what kind of penalties there are. The county government has to use the resources we have to break up crime rings and stop crime. And we've had quite a bit of success doing that in Westchester. Obviously, that's not the case in other places. But And it may be, as David said, because places like Westchester and Nassau are wealthier. But let me tell you, I've got urban centers in Westchester County. I've got some bad neighborhoods. I grew up in one. And uh, we're not out of the woods. We work hard to try to deliver the best possible safety for our people. Westchester County Executive George Latimer, I want to thank you so much for coming on What to, uh, Cut to the Chase, and we'll talk to you soon. Laura, thanks much. All right, you got it. Coming up next, I'm going to speak to an expert in offshore wind, and we're going to get to the bottom of it having to do with the whales. And then I want to hear from you. Did your support of Trump get a little bit of a pause, maybe a little bit of a question mark after his remarks about Kaylee McEnany? Give us a call, 800-848-WABC. Come back after the break. Cut to the 
Nice. Cut to the chase with Laura Curran on 77 WABC. Welcome back to Cut to the Chase. Remember to give me a call, 800-848-9222. You may have been hearing about the whales. The whales, it's a sad story, dying off the coasts of New York and New Jersey. And a lot of people are conjecturing, guessing, saying uh, that it has something to do with offshore wind. I uh, take that with a very large grain of salt, speaking of salt water. And to help us debunk myths and shed some light on what offshore wind actually is, is Doug Perkins. He is president and project director of Community Offshore Wind, which is a joint venture of RWE, which is a very big renewable energy company, and National Grid, which is a very big energy delivery company. Doug, welcome to Cut to the Chase. Hey, Laura. Thank you for having me. So uh, people have a vague sense of what offshore wind, uh, offshore wind is. You know, it's the big turbines in the ocean. They may have seen them. Uh, sometimes there, if you go through a drive through the desert, you see them on land. If you've traveled overseas, you may see them there as well. Uh, and, and unfortunately, a lot of the people, a lot of people that I'm speaking to, the first they're hearing about offshore wind is as, as it results to the whales. Can you please, uh, tell us the truth, what the, the true story is, uh, offshore winds responsibility to the death of these whales? Sure. Happy to. So I, you know, I would say there's there's seven operating offshore wind turbines in U.S. waters, um, but what what is coming up uh, in in the news recently is trying to link it to the development of future offshore wind turbines off the Atlantic coast. Mm. And and independent scientists, the agencies, state and federal, that are responsible for the monitoring and protecting of these species have come out unequivocally to say it is not linked to offshore wind development activities. Um, what we are seeing out there with the, the animals that have washed ashore and that have been um, that have been investigated is the sign of entanglements, is the sign of vessel strikes. Mm. Um, and what they're what they're theorizing is that there's uh, you know there's warming waters, it's shifting the whales kind of migration and feeding patterns. And it's moving them into areas where you have shipping lanes. Um, but what they are not finding, there's been zero evidence whatsoever, is a linkage to any of the offshore wind development activities. And what they're saying is it's related to offshore wind surveys. Um, now, there are, I think, a handful of survey vessels out in the waters in the Atlantic doing survey activities for um, offshore wind development. Um, they have 24-7 protected species monitors on board hmm. as a requirement of their permits with, you know, night vision cameras, with all sorts of monitoring equipment to make sure that they are they are doing the survey um, in a way that there is no interaction whatsoever. If they see a, a sea turtle, if they see dolphins, if they see any marine mammals in, at the distance, they shut down all activities wow. to make sure that there is no interaction. Yeah. And the same thing for vessel strikes. And then when we're talking about the vessel strikes, you know, I think there's it's probably a half a percent, less than a percent of all vessel activity in the Atlantic um, related to these survey activities. So all to say it is coming up. It's been a it's been an uh, I guess a you know an easy talking point for those that are yeah. opposed to offshore wind development, but there is zero science, zero evidence behind um, these claims. Doug Perkins, president and project director of Community Offshore Wind, thank you so much for clarifying that. And sometimes it's easy to allege something, but when you have to explain it, it's not it's not as easy. But I think you uh, simplified it and made it very easy. So thank you for that, uh, because that's been on my mind, and it's a conversation I'm having with a lot of people. So what is the status of offshore wind right now in, in Northeast, in the Northeast, which is where you're focusing? Yeah. Um, so we are now at the point where we're starting to see construction activities begin on the first couple of commercial scale offshore wind farms. So it has, I think it's probably in the next days, activities will actually um, kick off to begin installing uh, two projects, one off the coast of um, Long Island called South Fork, 
mm-hmm. um, and one off of um, Massachusetts uh, called Vineyard Wind. And in addition to that, uh, we're also seeing a lot of activity at the state level with solicitations for future offshore winds projects. And that's where uh, my project, Community Offshore Winds, comes in. I see. So earlier this year for, for New York, so um, there was a, a state-led solicitation, so a, a procurement for offshore winds power um, that all bids were due uh, earlier back in, in January, and, and the state, um, uh, NYSERDA, New York State Energy Research Development Authority, is evaluating those proposals from, from projects like ours uh, for offshore wind electricity, but then also um, many other benefits associated with this new industry. So localization of manufacturing facilities, um, different workforce training initiatives, and just other uh, community benefits uh, opportunities that, that our projects can bring to the state. Also, lots of jobs, uh, good economic development. And from what I understand, a lot of these are union jobs as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so... Um, our lease area is about 60 miles south of Long Island, um, a little bit closer, about 40 miles east of New Jersey. And it holds, it's about 125,000 acres. And this one lease area alone um, has the potential, we think, to hold uh, over three gigawatts of energy or electricity generating potential. From that lease area, uh, we prepared a bid into this NYSERDA offshore wind RFP. Um, for about a third of that capacity. And just that one-third is about 5,000 jobs, and that's jobs to build and operate long-term our project, but also to establish um, factories, facilities in both uh, wind turbine uh, fabrication. So we have a a bid in to partner with General Electric to um, establish a wind turbine blade and a wind turbine nacelle fabrication facility upstate New York. Um, our bid also includes the establishment of a, of a steel fabrication distribution facility um, on Hudson Orange County, uh, as well as investing in a um, construction assembly facility in Staten Island. So, you know, with this one bid, you've got 5,000 jobs, and, and this is, you know, a, I guess about a seventh of the, the state target. So all to say, just tremendous opportunity for good um, you know, good jobs, well-paying jobs, and a lot of the jobs are union jobs, construction of the facilities um, for a project and our supply chain. So what is the most frustrating misunderstanding that you hear from the public about the turbines that you would like to clarify? Hmm. Well, I think the, you know, the, the challenging thing is that we, we're just getting going. So, you know, we're starting to see this, this um, you know, the ground floor of opposition because we're right at that point where we're starting to, to construct these, these first utility-scale projects. And I, I led off to say there's, there's only seven turbines in U.S. waters. Which is um, a, a very small island. number. I'm surprised it's so small. Oh, yeah. I mean, we are well behind, um, you know, other, other parts of the globe. I think, you know, I, I, I can't even venture a guess at how many offshore wind turbines are um, installed in, in the U.K. or European waters. Um, and I think China has a, is just leapfrogging the rest of the globe on an annual basis. We, we are very far behind in the offshore wind market. We have a very, very, very long established onshore wind, um, onshore solar, onshore mm. battery storage, renewable market. But offshore, we're behind the, you know, behind the global leaders. So, Doug, you're from Long Island, but you bounce around from Long Island to Massachusetts for your job. Where mm-hmm. where are the best bagels? Who has the best bagels, Long Island or Massachusetts? Oh, uh, one of my colleagues put you <laughs> up to that, I'm sure. Um, country hot. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, um, it, basically anywhere, anywhere on Long Island. <laughs> Anywhere, um, to throw a, a dart at the I, map, and you'll find one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and pizza too. I was just, um, yeah, I was just talking with a colleague about that. But yeah, I, I, so I grew up in Northport, um, lived on the North Fork for a little while, and then came back to Northport for for high school before going off to um, college in, in Boston. So I have a lot of friends and family, and went um, down on the island. Plus, 
thankfully, my renewable energy journey has actually brought me brought me back home. So it makes me one, just a very proud New Yorker, um, to combine the kind of pursuit of my professional life with with uh, bringing it home to my um, friends and family. Um, but yeah, I would I would say anywhere in anywhere on Long Island, <laughs> you're going to find. Pretty fantastic bagels and pizza. Doug Perkins, New York lover, bagel lover. Uh, good luck with the bid. And thank you for coming on and demystifying the whole whale thing. You explained it beautifully. All right. Thank you so much, Lauren. Have a great day. You got it. Uh, coming up after the break, your calls. we got a lot coming in on the Trump McEnany comments. I want to talk to you. Laura Curran joining us live. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran on 77 WABC. Welcome back to Cut to the Chase. All right, we got a lot of people calling. We've got Carlo, Andrew, Joe, Bob. Uh, we're going to try to get to all of you. Just special shout out to my husband and my daughter who are listening. Hi, John and Julie. So cute that you're listening. All right, let's go to John in Staten Island. Hey, uh, good show. I was going to ask uh, if we could ask this guy. He's first off, he's not a, a biologist, so I, I like to see where the stats on all all the biological things are coming from, uh, where his surveys are. This and then, like he said, it's five thousand jobs. When we killed the pipeline, it was twenty thousand union members that lost their jobs. Can we get the, the union guys here to go start coding, like President Biden said, and then offer those pipeline workers not working the jobs? Well, have. that's something we can talk about. But, John, I'm going to let it go there and go to Rick in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. The green, and the, uh, green energy agenda is genocide. Don't go along with it. Don't go along with any of it, not the wind turbines. There's nothing wrong with global warming. That's a good thing. All right. What do you think about the Trump and McEnany thing? She's a big girl. She'll, she'll survive. It's not going to change my opinion about Trump. I don't like what he said, but, you know, that's him. you got to expect every once in a while he's he's going to say something off the cuff that's not ha- not going to make you happy. Right. It's not like it's exactly shocking. Uh, and you're right. She is a big girl. She can't handle it. Thanks for the call, Rick. We go to Enoch in Spring Valley. Hey, I saw Doug Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google. All right. Thanks for that. Bob Freehold, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I've got no problem with uh, President Trump. Uh, he's my president. He was uh, denied his uh, second uh, term uh, through shenanigans, machinations of the deep state. So I'm not worried about that. I do want to comment on something uh, a week ago you had, or maybe it was two or three weeks ago, you had a uh, representative from an abortion, I guess it was Planned Parenthood or an on-demand uh, person talking about on-demand uh, abortions. I don't understand why you didn't challenge her. Uh, concerning uh, the fact that they want to have abortions up to the time of birth. And in most reasonable countries around the world, including a bunch of states in this uh, country, uh, 15 weeks is considered uh, acceptable up to 15 weeks. And anything after 15 weeks is not acceptable. Okay, I got you. Uh, we have Joe, Joe in Staten Island. Hello. Uh, listen, as, as far as Trump, I don't care. And last week, speaking of that, you insulted all of Texas. You and your guests said that you feel sorry for the, the illegals that have to walk through Texas. Who the hell wants them, fool? Well, I don't like the insult. I, you know what? I notice that sometimes people are insulting. That's not really what I like to do or what I will do or put up with. But anyway, I do appreciate the call. Uh, Andrew Stanhope, what's up? That's uh, ironic because you insulted me. All right. Carlo, upstate New York. Hey, I'll be brief. I'll be very quick. Uh, uh, Trump, he did a lot to help American veterans, but he should spot up and take uh, DeSantis as a running mate. DeSantis is the uh, flip side, stable marriage, American war hero, law and order guy. And also, I challenge everyone in the sound of my voice from Kersey and Mayuchi and Marconi to do something good for American veterans. Go to state and federal VA nursing homes. Volunteers, bring a change of clothes. Bring some gift cards. Make a difference for the better. Make everyday American Memorial Day and everyday American Veterans Day because they make up two-thirds of the homeless and 13,000 American veteran suicides every year, one every hour, Lauren. By the time your show's over, one of my brothers or sister American veterans will have committed suicide, God, to give them. Carlo, thank you for the call, and I appreciate the call to volunteer and to help and to be part of the solution. Thank you for that. Matt, Connecticut, what's going on? Uh, yes, I am uh, enjoying the program, but i got to ask you a favor. 
Yeah. What, it's disappointing. I'm, I have a master's degree in bio environmental technology. I'm 65 year old, huh. a high school, high school teacher. Wow. And I've been dealing with this my whole life and has worked as a consultant for many, many underwater construction companies. What that gentleman said, I'd like to possibly clarify it. Okay. What he said was accurate. In other words, there are ship strikes and there are issues that are killing sea mammals. However, he didn't get to the reason why the ship strikes. Sh ships, there is no rise in traffic, shipping lane traffic, anything of that nature. The navigation systems in those vessels are state-of-the-art. The reason that these animals are getting vessel strikes is yeah. because their communication is done through their own sonar. I'm, I'm trying to make it simple, okay? And the underwater blasting to set the pilings and to do the construction of the turbines is what's causing the problems, okay? If I just would beg that if you're going to show one side of the story, please have the other explained as well. Well, I appreciate that you called. You know, I have to look into this myself. I have not done my own research, uh, which is why I had dug on, but I very much appreciate, Matt, that you called. And I'm going to, I'm going to dig into this a little bit more. We'll come back to it for sure. Uh, any thoughts on Trump and McEnany? Nope, he's gone. But, uh, so we had, we had about four people who spoke on the issue, three or four people. All of them said, not an issue for me. Trump's my guy. It's about the policy, not the personality. We know this person. And actually, I will say, whatever you think about Trump, I think it's pretty well-baked in everyone's brain how they feel about him. There's very little that will surprise. And according to our very unofficial poll here on WABC on Cut to the Chase, uh, that holds true. Anyway, huge thanks to Matt Meany and Kevin Drosh, who are the brains behind the operation here at Cut to the Chase. And please stay tuned for Positively Ernie and Patricia with Ernie Anastas and Patricia Stark. They're in the, uh, they're batting up, they're getting ready, they're warming up, and you'll be hearing from them. Positive stuff to start your week. Ciao. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.